surprised you know I can transition to the second that's getting you out on time. That seems to be the difficulty. There it is. We got that working and this is working today. Good morning, Freedom Center. Let's just get right to it. You guys ready? So we've been to the land, uh, what was our first week? The land of not enough, the land of, the land of, aren't you guys glad you said on this side and not that side? We'll talk about that, like the land of not enough, more than enough, just enough. Here's a graphic I hope you're familiar with and what we've been talking about just to recap for 90 seconds is the land of not enough is the place of slavery where that horizontal line is that says provision. This is what God will provide for us maybe today. Maybe this is provision for a week or a month or a quarter or a year or for a lifetime, but this is, this is what God is sending our way. The way for us to enter into captivity is one decision at a time where we decide that there's a blessing beyond what God has provided that we're willing to go into debt for. So we talked about Mammon, the uh, Syrian god of avarice. <coughs> we talked about his methodology. It goes back to the Garden of Eden that, you know, sure, you can eat from all these different trees, Adam, Eve, you can do that. But really, the best stuff is on this tree that God didn't provide. God actually said, don't do this. And if you do this, you'll actually be better off disobeying God than you were obeying God and receiving the blessings. The same lie from the Garden of Eden that, that messed up everybody that's here today. It's the same lie. How many of you know if the lie works? He doesn't have to change it. As long as we're still silly, he can still lie to us. We'll still believe it. Then that's where truth comes in. You'll know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free, right on. So we entered the land of just enough last week. That's where we live, right at that line. We're going to take income that comes in, the blessings of God, whether it be friendships or time or joy or resource or faith. We're going to take that and we're going to live right there. We're not going to go beyond that asking, I'm sorry, living above what God has provided. What we've asked for and God has given to us, we're not going to live above that. This is kind of akin to the wilderness when Israel is being led out of Egypt into the promised land. There's a reason they spent 40 years and not 40 days in a desert wasteland being fed every day by God himself, manna and so forth. The reason was because they had to learn to die to certain things. We talked about it last week. Listen to the recording from last week. They had to learn to live by certain things, including faith. And so God puts them in this place where there really is no choice. How many of you guys have ever been in a place where there is no choice? Like God says, checkmate, you say, yes, sir, and, and the game continues. <clears throat> Sorry, I saw a movie about Uganda and chess the other night, so it's in my head. Today we're going to gather into this, this understanding of more than enough, and I want to show you where God can lead you if, everybody say if, if we follow him there, if we obey. So let's talk about God's blessings in your life. How many of you guys like God's blessings? Best part of my day, man. My grandson is, you're a blessing from God. My wife, you're a blessing from God. My dog, sometimes you're a blessing from God, you know. Uh, sometimes she's not, but most of the time she is. Let's talk about what God's vision, what God's view would be. So I just want, to, I want my people to be blessed. This is what that might look like. We go back to God's promises in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God... And carefully follow all of his commands. You can't do it your way. There's a way to do this. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to give it to you. 27 chapters prior to this, I'm telling you exactly how to be blessed. All right? So it's going to be my way. If you do that, if you obey all the commands I gave you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Every time you see the word blessed, blessing, or blessed, would you say it with me? He says, you will be in the city and in the country. The fruit of your womb will be... And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, your baskets, your kneading troughs will be, you're going to be, when you come in and you're going to be, <laughs> this is why Mr. Rogers did this. This is fun. The Lord will grant that the enemy who rise against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you from one direction and flee from you in a holy confusion in seven. The Lord will send a, on your barns and on everything you put your hand to, the Lord your God will. 
in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to them, then all the peoples on the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll fear you. They'll be in awe and respect for you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the stir off his house of his bounty, and send rain in season unto all the work of your hands. You'll lend to many nations, but you won't borrow from China. <clears throat> I, I think it's true today if we just, never mind, let's go on. A different sermon, different time. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You'll always be at the top. You'll never be at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. So how many guys think God wants us to be blessed? There's like 14 straight verses of bless, 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 but there's also verses where, where there's warnings uh, about being cursed. That's Deuteronomy, that's the next verse, verse 15, all the way through 68. <laughs> so 14 verses, listen, you'll be blessed, you'll be blessed, you'll be blessed. Carefully follow, fully obey, don't mess around, listen, 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 there's a blessing. Posture yourself, position yourself where I'm blessing. This is the only place I'm doing it. Do it in obedience right here and you'll be blessed. <clears throat> he said, but for the next 50-some verses, there's also a risk that if you don't do these things and you don't fully obey, you don't listen, you don't heed, he goes through the exact same blessings, only he expounds and says, you're going to be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. You're gonna, in other words, how many of you guys recognize God has made it perfectly clear, right? Like before they ever set foot in the promised land, God clearly told them his expectations, if you, if you want this to work, now you've been slaves, you've been wandering for a generation, we're going in now. You've got the faith to get across this river and in there and fight some giants. But the only way to defeat fortified cities, the only place to defeat giants, the only way that this is going to work is if the lessons of just enough exist consistently in the land of more than enough. So I'm going to live by faith and get out of debt. You better continue to live by faith when you're out of debt. Faith is not what we do to get out of trouble. Faith is the way we are to live. Trusting God, his priorities. So I want to show you how to get to and how to remain in the land of more than enough. First thing is this, priority. Before the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's like 27 chapters <laughs> that talk about this. Here's some of the highlights of those chapters. Deuteronomy chapter 4, listen to what I've taught you. <coughs> Forgive me, this cold weather is great for my lungs. Deuteronomy chapter 4, again, only worship God, no idols. Deuteronomy 4, the Lord is God, there is no other. Are we seeing any continuity of commands that lead to blessing? Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Ten Commandments, the first two is I'm God, nobody else is, and don't make something and call it God, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Deuteronomy 10, fear, love, walk with me. Deuteronomy 11, be careful not to be enticed <coughs> by another. So let's sum it up. What's he saying? I'm first. <laughs> I'm first. So that, that's kind of egotistical. Um, no. Egotistical is when I puff myself up to be something I'm not. God is not egotistical. He's holy. He is an unapproachable light. He is like none other. So I, I, I couldn't serve a God that was you know, that egotistical. Fine. I, I'm okay with that. Don't. But understand this. There's only one God, and he comes first. And the way to blessing is the closer we are to him, the closer we are to blessing. The position and the posture of our heart says that we are to love him um, first, with priority, Deuteronomy 6.5, we're to trust him, we're to know him, we're to obey him. The priority of the land of more than enough is God himself. 
Now, in the land of not enough, we were slaves. We bought into lies. We believed things. We, we replaced the one true God with other gods. In the land of just enough, we learned that that's not the way to live, and we renounced our faith in things that were less than God. We repented of those things. And here's one of the mistakes people often make is now that I'm out of debt, and I've seen this, please hear me, there are traps in slavery, yes? We have to be careful of them. There are traps when we're living just right at God's blessings. The traps will try to lead us back to slavery. There are also dangers in the promised land. You guys realize they didn't fight a giant until they got to the promised land. They didn't go after fortified cities until they got to the promised land. There was something that the enemy possessed that God wanted them to have, and there was going to be a fight that had to be won, and faith and priority were the only two things that allowed them to win those battles. It wasn't their military might. They're still rookies when it comes to warfare. These other warring tribes, warring nations had, had been developing their tactics, developing their militaries. These guys, one generation back, were nothing but slaves that weren't allowed to even possess a knife unless it was to do their job. They didn't possess spears. They didn't have shields. Warfare was not only foreign to them, it was terrifying to them. They were under the oppression of that might. And now they're to move as a military nation to, to possess land. It's not going to happen. So the only way for them to win is not by being stronger than other nations. It's realizing their God is. And there's that beautiful silence that comes when we talk about money at the Freedom Center. Right? <laughs> Second thing you need to know about getting to and staying in. Number one is priority. Everybody say Priority. He's first. That's how you get there. That's how you stay there. The day that he's not, you get to regress. You go back. I, I'm not kidding you. I've watched people go straight from the land of more than enough right back to the land of not enough, skipping the land of just enough because they had this and we're going to live by this and we're going to credit that and mortgage this and then, they, and then something happens. They're right. How do we get there? The exact same way you got there the first time. The way out is the way in. And the way in is the way to stay there as well. Second thing is generosity. <coughs> I'm sorry. I just <clears throat> glass of water, bottle of water, cup of tea would be great. Anybody wants to grab me that. Pastor Carl, would you volunteer? Just the phlegm monster is down my throat this morning. So that's something you don't want to know. I feel like I swallowed a frog. So um, generosity. Let's talk about this. And, and how many guys are enjoying Mark and Chris Ferrellis' story via video that they've been telling us? Enjoy this next installment while I get a glass of water. But when we moved, we had, a, we had a journey to Wisconsin where the Lord literally took him to a new job, but it was, uh, it was a revival in our hearts. I mean, what he did, he took us out of that land that was very superficial, you know, where the kids had to have the brand new cars. They had to have the Abercrombie clothes. You know, my kids felt like they had the expectations put on them that they had to live a certain way. And even we did to a certain degree where we went to a very rural town and what we had wasn't important to anyone around us. And so, you know, all of our things went into storage and we lived in a very small cottage, probably about 800 square feet, where we had nothing. And you know what? It was probably one of the happiest times in our lives to really just live very simply, to, to be honest. And so, you know, I think those material things, honestly, didn't matter so much when we were enslaved by debt then to become free you don't want to go back there and so those material things meant very little when we take the journey into debt we we strap ourselves and 
we, we hinder the, the works that I think the Lord intended us to live, the best life that God intended us to live. Because truly, giving is such a blessing that to miss out on that is one of the greatest tragedies, I think, in life. It is one of the greatest joys that we have is, is to give. We take now a trip every year to Ethiopia, and we have uh, many, many families that we sponsor there and many works that we do there, and it's the greatest joy of our lives. Um, we used to think that travel would be that, but we've learned that giving is even even better. I mean, interesting that, that part of this, this being in a position of more than enough requires, again, the faith to get out of debt, the faith to fight those battles, the faith to, to trust the master versus the master card when there's a need. There's an equal amount of faith that continues, but this faith is not centered towards the removal of slavery from our hearts. It's the removal of slavery from the world. When, when something comes to us and is a blessing to us, that's the first part of what a blessing can be. But the greater part of a blessing is not when I'm blessed, but it's when I become a blessing. I, I've devised a brilliant sentence that every English teacher in here is going to fully enjoy. Um, it's this, God blesses the blessed so the blessed can bless. God blesses the blessed so the blessed can bless. Do you see that? It's easier when I say it slowly. God's blessings will get people's attention faster than man's words. Come on. You got a blessed marriage, I want to know why. I want to know how. I see your kids blessed, I want to know how. I want to know why. I see your business blessed, I want to know how. I want to know why. I, I, was, I, I gave you a great example. My son and I, when Josh was maybe four or five years old, we went fishing. When I was a kid, I used to work the deep sea fishing boats out of Clearwater, Florida. All the tourists would come down. I'd work in the galley and flip burgers. But then when we got there, everybody was fishing. So I grabbed my pole, just go right out of the galley and just fish. And it, they paid me 20 bucks a day for a 14 hour day of hard work. But I got to fish for free. Can I get a witness? How many of you guys know God is good? I got to flip burgers and meet people from Canada. I wanted my son to have the same experience. So at five years old, we waved goodbye from the dock to his mother, who wasn't sure that she'd ever see us again. And we, we went out into the Gulf of Mexico on this beautiful boat. Uh, uh, the Miss Clearwater was the name of, of her. And uh, we got out. And about the time I couldn't see land anymore, my five-year-old looked at me and said, Dad, which way is land? And what I wanted to say was, it doesn't really matter at this point, because we can't swim back anyway. This boat goes down, we're dead. But I thought, maybe not. I said, well, I, I think it's that way, buddy. Why? He goes, I, I just wanted to know. I said, Josh, are you scared? He, no. You know, he's tough. He's five. No, I'm just, okay, little. <laughs> I said, you want to pray? He said, yeah, can we pray? So I just grabbed his little hand, you know, God, thank you for this beautiful ocean you've created. Thank you for the fish that are underneath there waiting for us to come to dinner with us. Thank you for, you know, these people that are here. And uh, we just, you know where the land is. And we trust you to get us back to the shore can't wait to see mom tell her about our day. Amen. He said, amen. And there's this new confidence because how many of you guys know five-year-olds have faith nailed, you know? So we start fishing. The bell goes off. We're fishing on the same rod. And you guys know what fishing is. It's just, you were just jerking off the bottom. So it's a jerk on one end waiting for a jerk on the other. And we're kind of bouncing off the bottom. You feel like, tuck, tuck, tuck. Oh, and I say, here you go, Josh. Get it. So Josh reels it in. Well, we're, the two of us on one rod are out fishing everybody around us. There's a couple reasons for that. I used to work the deep sea fishing boats. I know how to do it. I know where to be. And the other thing is we're just blessed. So there's these two retired New Yorkers who don't golf 
but they go fishing three, four times a week. They know right where to be, right over the transom. So when the captain sees the fish on a reef, they're, they're right over the top of what the captain is seeing. They, they know right where to go. And, and we are out fishing one, with Run Rob, with the two of us, we're out fishing, both of them combined times two. And they're getting mad at us because they fish, you know. And by the way, if you're from New York, I don't mean this to be offensive, but some people from New York are not nice people. And there is Brother Blankety Blank and Brother Blankety Blank. They reminded me of the two old men in the balcony from the Muppets. And, and there's, ah, it was, blankety blank, blank. I'm like, yeah, I got a five-year-old, man. Such a pie hole, you know? So they, they, they're kind of looking, and they're noticing that we're out fishing them. And, and that's, you know, and finally, just the guy puts his, he's mad. He comes over and goes, what are you two doing? Like, we're, like we got caught doing something wrong. I said, we're fishing. What's up? He said, why are you out fishing everybody on this boat? And I looked at Josh. Now, I know why. Because we're blessed. But I'm not sure these two guys want to hear that. So I look at my son to kind of go, what do you think? And dad goes, he says, dad, I don't know if they want, I don't know if they're ready to hear why we're, why we're catching so many fish. Well, now he knows there's a secret. And he's honest like white on rice. So what, we don't know. You've got to tell him. Listen, we come on this boat three days a week. You're out fishing. He goes, why is that? It's not possible. What are you doing? And, and I said, well, Josh, tell him. He goes, well, mister, we asked Jesus to bless us. And, and we're just catching a lot of fish because Jesus is blessing us. <laughs> you, know what, you know what this guy says? This guy goes, that's cheating. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Jesus says that when we share our blessings, we're actually like light in, in a dark world. He says this in Matthew chapter 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I ask you a quick question? I mean, you've got 12 minutes left. I've got plenty of time. But just, just a moment ago when I told you that story about being blessed, you clapped. I'm curious why. Were, were you clapping for me, the superior fisherman? Were you clapping for Waldorf and Astoria, the two old men in the balcony of the, the Muppets? Who are you clapping for? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that when people see the blessed be a blessing, when, when they see people blessed, the natural reaction is to go, ah, oh, and we don't even know why. Like, if, like, I had to stop. We told you a story last week about this awesome family in, in a time of need that was praying, God, we, we need a vehicle. And we told you about the other family that, that attends our church but only via internet. They, they watch it on live stream for the last couple of years. And, uh, and they saw a car they're pulling out, and they thought, you know, we should buy that car. We don't know why. Let's call the Freedom Center and see if they want to give it to somebody. Do you guys need a car? We said, yeah, we need a car. We know a family that needs it. And last, I think last Sunday, we were able to give them the keys to that car, and it's better than the car that they had, and it's this great vehicle. It's a great story. And when I told that story in the second service last week, people just started clapping. I thought, you know, it's funny. I wonder, they're not clapping for me. They're not clapping for the family that isn't in the room that gave the car. They're not clapping for the, for the family that received it. So what are they clapping for? I, I want you to understand this, guys. When we see people blessed, we naturally glorify God. It's just what comes out of us. Now, be honest. And I, I, I won't withdraw your man card, but fellas, you're included in this, okay? When Ty, what's-his-face, says, bus driver, move that bus. And that, that veteran family or that family that took in 47 kids from the street or that family that's worthy of this and all of a sudden they've been giving, 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 giving and all of a sudden this, this beautiful custom-made basketball court, Astro turf, everybody's got their own room and they go from room to room. Being honest, everybody, men, women, and children, you're in church on Sunday. How many of you guys have ever shed a tear watching a show like that? Can I see your hand? Okay, what are we crying about? Are we sad for them? <laughs> are we that happy for them? Or is there something inside of our heart that goes... That's God. 
Let me ask you another question. Why did everybody dedicate that week 20-hour workdays to demolishing a house and building a new one in seven days while the family goes off to Disney? What, what are they in it for? Is it the money? Is it the fame? Or is there something in us that realizes when we're blessed, it's a blessing when you're blessed to bless? I know this is terrible English. Are you getting what I'm saying, though? There's, there's, now, my son told me just the other day, he said, you know, I've heard my dad say for years that who has more fun at Christmas, the kids or the parents? Now, if you're a parent, the answer is parents. He said, I heard him say that. I didn't believe him. This year, I have a son. I'm going to be more blessed than my son. I, I didn't get it until I had a kid. What I'm trying to say is something this. I, I want to address this morning this, this issue of generosity. And, and I want you to remember that we've already received the offering. I want you to remember that all the illustrations we've used have nothing to do with the, the, the bucket that comes by every Sunday morning. We're talking about a lifestyle of obeying God. We're talking about a lifestyle of finding needs and filling them. We're talking about listening so when God says, buy that van and give it to somebody you don't know, you go, cool. I, you know, build a school in Ethiopia, adopt families, pay for teacher salaries in Ethiopia, move the needle of poverty in Ethiopia from here over to here because of what you've done with your life. So I want to address the biggest issue that I hear, that I see when it comes to generosity. It's, it's, a, it's a logical thought, and yet let's take a look at it. I can't afford to give. Um, Again, already received the offering. I'm not asking you to get out your visa. We're not playing music in the background. There's no in the arms of the angels. And for just $19 a month, you can feed my son one meal. Right? So Paul's going to introduce us to God math, and I, I just want to set up what he's going to say by asking you a question. How many of you remember story questions as a child? All right. Question number one. Jim has $10 and buys a $1 cup of coffee. How many dollars does Jim have left? Some of you guys didn't answer like, this is a trick. Nope, it's nine. <laughs> Trust has really gone low in the room right now. Question two, Jim has $10 and buys a $1 cup of coffee and gives an additional dollar to a need God put on his heart. How many dollars does Jim have left? The answer is eight. Very good. Now, here's the difference between the two dollars. One dollar used for coffee was exchanged for the coffee and has now been spent. Now, by the way, this is not Starbucks. This is Mega or something, right? This is Keurig. This is the coffee shop known as Keurig, $1, nice round number. So I take my dollar, I go to VG's, I buy the Keurig, and I put it in my little Keurig maker, and I make the dollars worth of coffee. My dollar is gone, and what I've exchanged is the blessing of caffeine, which you all are benefiting from right now, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. And once I consume that coffee and the caffeine and the, 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 the pancreatal squeeze to my adrenal glands is over with, I think I may have invented the word pancreatal, and there it is anyway, it's over with. So that lives under a certain paradigm. It's, it's, the, it's the one-to-one. I think that that coffee is worth a dollar. I think everybody in this room would agree that that coffee is worth a dollar. So I spent the dollar. I exchanged it for the coffee. I enjoyed the coffee. And it's done. But the, the one that I used to meet a need that God put on my heart, it's also gone. But I want you to notice the difference. It's not spent. It's invested. It's given. And there's a difference. And I'll tell you why. When I gave the dollar for coffee, I did not do it in faith. I did it by a biological necessity. I need a cup of coffee. I'm not an addict. I can quit anytime I want. I just really don't want to, like most of us here. I'm a Christian. I drink my cigarettes. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a godly thing, right? The dollar I used to meet a need, put on my heart, is also gone, but it's not spent. It's cheerfully given. They're both dollars, but they live under a completely different set of rules. These rules are so different, in fact, that Jesus, Paul, John, and Peter all have to find new language to illustrate 
that the realm of faith when it comes to giving and the realm of the natural when it comes to spending. Are you guys still here? Okay, so there's a difference. I had 10, I exchanged one for a cup of coffee, God put a need on my heart, I cheerfully contributed to that need, the other dollar. It is true that in my pocket I now have eight. I do not expect any long time return on the dollar on the coffee, it comes and goes in about three hours, but on the rest of it, I do expect because it has a different paradigm. It lives in the kingdom. When, when I say, hey, can I have a bite of your sandwich? And you give me a bite of your sandwich. You gave me a bite of your sandwich. It's gone. But when Jesus says, hand me your loaves and fish, it's a different paradigm. Why? One is given in faith, generously given in faith, cheerfully given in faith. What is put in God's hands cheerfully by faith lives under a different paradigm than what we do just to buy lunch. Are you still here? Okay, listen to this. And this is the words that they have to use. It's the word seeds. To try to find some equivalent to the, the variety of responses that God can do when we give cheerfully and in faith to a need that he puts on our heart. I think all those are important things to talk about, and we will at a later time. But cheerfully, in faith, according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many guys believe we should give? That should be a goal, to give cheerfully, according to faith, in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I don't think anybody like, no, I think you should give as a grouch because that's the way, like, I think everybody agrees with that. But because when something is given in faith, it does live under a different, a kingdom set of rules where everything is possible. He has to use the word seeds to give us an illustration. This is this. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. Remember this. Whoever sows a little bit is going to reap a little bit. Does, how many guys understand if you, if you plant five tomato plants, you should expect no more than five tomato plants? Right? And, but if you want more tomatoes, what's the solution to getting more tomatoes? Anybody? Plant more tomato plants. Plant more seeds, right? Whoever sows a little is going to reap a little. Whoever sows more is going to reap more. Each of you should give, here we go, what you've decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give like, oh, it's the God tax. I don't want to. Or under compulsion, if you don't give, your children will be born bow-legged and pigeon-toed, right? God loves someone who gives and thinks it's fun. A tearful giver. And God is able, everybody say able, to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As it's written, they've freely scattered their gifts like seed to the poor. Their righteousness, doing what is right, endures forever. Now, he who supplies seeds to meet needs to the sower and bread to provide for our own needs for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on what kind of occasion? That's cool, isn't it? On every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, on how many occasions are we to be generous? Okay, and what is the way to achieving that position where when a need comes our way, we actually have something to give? It's we're living in the land of more than enough. So if we're living in debt, it's hard to do that. If we're living at just enough, it's hard to do that. But there's this place in faith. And by the way, the way out of it is faith, the way into it and out of it is faith, the way into it is faith. Amen. I mean, you guys are getting this. This isn't, this isn't math. This is God math. <laughs> this isn't one plus one equals one. This is one plus Jesus equals anything Jesus wants it to equal. But we have to start with the one. So now, and now this next statement may be a little challenging to you, but I just quoted Jesus. I, I just quoted Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament books. These are good sources, yes? I didn't just quote some, you know, new age thinker or some prosperity wacko. I'm quoting the originals. <laughs> and here we go. If we can't afford to be generous on every occasion, it actually exposes a lack in our lives that calls for more seeds to be planted, not less. 
crickets. <laughs> oh, it's fun to be me. Please hear my heart. If you're borrowing money, stop borrowing money. If you're in debt, get out of debt. But do not forget that part of this foundation is trusting God. And you say, well, how big does the gift have to be? What percentage? What? I, I don't even begin to entertain that. I know this, that a widow that had two small pennies put them in the offering pot in the temple and Jesus stopped everybody and said, look at that. Her two cents given in faith, a widow. That's all she had to live off of. She just put, it in, she just put her life in my hands. And every time the gospel is preached in all four of the gospels, the woman's story who gave two pennies. How many of you guys have two pennies? I mean, if you don't, you're walking home, right? I'm serious. There is, a, there is an understanding here that generosity is not, it's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the heart that gives it. It's not what you have. Sometimes prosperity is what we can live without and be content. If you're a farmer and you want a larger harvest, it makes perfect sense that what needs to do is you eat less bread somehow so that you can plant more seed. Does this make sense? You guys still here? Still love me? Well, that's on you then. All right. Last one is this. It's just humility. Oh, man. Uh, the quickest way to drop off the map in the land of more than enough is to get arrogant about God's blessings in your life. Anybody else notice this? This is, this is theriology. This is the King Jim version of the Bible. I, it's observational Christianity. It's not, I don't really have a doctrine for it, but I've noticed, and I'm curious if you have as well. <clears throat> When I am excited about the growth of this church, and I happen to mention to a pastor, how many, you know, you're running, and I find the largest number I can say, well, we had over blah, blah, blah last week. I find almost without exception, the next week attendance goes down. And when people say things like, man, so you got out of debt, that's great. How much was the debt? And I'm proud about it. The next week, the IRS says, we'd like to have a meeting with you. Anybody else feel like, like God doesn't allow arrogance to live in the land of more than enough? And it doesn't matter what area you have more than enough in, there, there seems to be this thing like as soon as I'm the, the focus of the blessing rather than God getting the glory for blessing me, God goes, well, let's just kind of remind you. <laughs> you know? Now, he doesn't throw me back into slavery and in chains and whip something back. It's, it literally is kind of this gentle reminder that it, don't brag about the growth of my church because I promised to build the church and you're honored to be a part of what I'm building. Don't, don't brag about how cool any area of your life is, and forget to give God the glory for being the one who placed you there by his grace, by his mercy, by his goodness, by his kindness. Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 through 20, it, it, I'll just sum it up for you. It says really simply, don't forget what got you here. When you get into the land and you're drinking out of wells you didn't dig and you're harvesting crops you didn't plant, when the giants have been defeated and the fortified walls of these cities have been torn down, don't you ever, there'd be no more battles to fight. But remember this, the greatest battle after all the wars are done is the battle of arrogance. You, you just stay humble. Everything that comes in your hand, don't own it. Don't let it own you. That's, that's what slaves do. That's the purpose for the wilderness. As God blesses you, be a blessing. Amen? Come on, say amen. The offering is already taken. You got a week to figure this out, all right? You be a blessing. Don't forget what got you here. Don't forget who got you here. Because... Getting here was a miracle. Living here, getting here, and living here, it was a miracle. You did this to yourself. But God gives us the grace to come out of slavery 
where he can teach us faith and trust and who he is and how good he is and how big he is and how generous, how strong he is. And God gives us this great grace to go from, you know, even the wilderness into this place that's just flowing with milk and honey. That's, that's why we've got the little graphic with the honeycomb up there. That's, that was the promise. There's a land that flows. The milk was, the, it had protein and fat and it was a staple of life. Honey was the, the richest of desserts because there's a land where you just walk around and it's just growing on trees. It's just, it's just coming out of rocks. Like there's a place, guys, there's a place where God's blessings are so rich that today's, today's moments in this land, I, I, had a, I, had, I tasted honey today. Oh, it was so good. Become a place where you've got hives. And not only for you to enjoy, but for you to share. I had a glass of milk today. It was ice cold. It was so good. I haven't had milk in so long. There's a place where you can own a herd of dairy cows. Just don't forget to, to remember what it was like when you didn't have milk and make sure those who can't have milk get milk today. If you were God, which you're not, terrible illustration, give me a break. And every day you looked at billions, with a B, of people that needed something. And every time you put rain on the land, some warlord came and destroyed the crop. And every time you put peace in a man, they came and they killed him for it. Every time you, listen, you would look for somebody somewhere and you'd place within them a joy of giving and a brokenness for the need. And then you would send them. And you would go to places like Ethiopia. You'd go to places like Haiti in the name of the Lord to give to them what God wants them to have. You'd feed kids. You'd clothe people. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you don't have to go to Haiti to find people that need food. You don't have to go to, to Flint to find people that, that need care and love. There are people in this community, and that's not to negate Haiti. That's not to negate anything else. I don't think the proximity is important. I think, I think the fact that you are passionate about something where you'd do anything, you'd sell anything, you'd give, like it's, it's such a joy to take what we have and give it to people who don't and sit back. And I close with this story. <clears throat> I remember I was in Haiti, and I, I have a broken heart for the kids of Haiti I have since I was 17 years old. Just in the last few years, I've been able to do something about it. And I... We had this goal as a church. I told God we'd feed a million kids in Haiti. I told him you'd be fine with it. So far, you've done a wonderful job. 550,000 meals of the million meals have been fed. I have a difficult time being in the schools when we're in Haiti watching the kids eat. It just, it's just too real. It's just too hard. It, you know, it's a joyous moment for some. Oh, watch, he's eating food. Isn't that great? But I don't think you understand. It's, it's not, it is that to me. But every time I see a kid eating, I remember there's, there's thousands outside this room that aren't. It's just, it's a blessing from God to be broken. Come on. It's a blessing from God to be broken. So I, I usually kind of walk down the hallway and look in and I look at our team and watch them enjoying feeding the kids and I walk back out and I just kind of have a time of prayer because I just, it's so great to see them. It's so great to hear them. But I know that right down the road, you know, there's kids that aren't in the school that aren't being fed with the bloated stomach and the naked. I just was down there and visited with them. I know they're still there and they're still hungry. But as I was walking by, one of the guys from Convoy of Hope stopped me. His name's Eric, the big jerk. And he said to me, he said, look at that, Jim. And I said, yeah, man, it's cool. It's awesome. It's great. He said, stop. Look at that. And I looked at it. And there's this little boy, and he's eating this rice. I just know that you can put rice on a, on a, a spoon, or you can put rice on a spoon. It was like a face full of rice. And somehow he got it angled and up and in and stuffed it to the back of his throat. And he was eating it. And then Eric leaned over and said, now multiply that a million times. I got to tell you, 
you need something in your life that you care about enough to give anything for. You need to live. It takes faith to take on a million meals, and we did. It takes faith to take on 47 missionaries, and we have. It takes faith. But how many of you guys know the world isn't done needing yet? So we're not done believing yet. I have statistics. I have numbers. The percentage of this, the percentage of that. I, it's, not, it's not the time for it. I'm just simply saying this. There's no way to live in this beautiful place but by faith. And part of the faith that will be required to get there and to stay there would be to plant seeds along the way. If currently your greatest need is you, your greatest battle is you, your greatest joy is you, I invite you to live higher than that, to actually repent of that. Come on. Because the joy of Christmas morning is not opening the gift. It's watching your son or daughter open the gift. The joy of Haiti is not, it's a beautiful island nation in the Caribbean. The beauty of Haiti is a face full of food and a little kid who's going to go home healthy tonight and not go home starving tonight. Stand to your feet all over this room. I've now shown you. I've taught you. You now know the way. Um, the beautiful part about being me is I get to tell you the truth, and then I get to kind of pray that you get it. So I've planted some seeds. That's what I've been doing for the last month. I've been planting seeds. Seeds of truth, seeds of harvest, seeds of benevolence, seeds of faith. Now it's up to you to let them germinate, to move from one level to the next. How many of you guys know the slavery of debt? You know it now. How many of you guys know the, the, the faith that it takes to live only at God's blessings for a season? How many of you guys understand there's a promised land waiting for us if we'll do it, what it's needed to move from one thing to the other? How many of you guys know that? Say amen. You know what? Okay, then that's on you. We're here to help you do this. We'll talk more about these things as the year progresses, but I, I just, I wanted to set you up first to just understand, guys, God, God's not a God of poverty. He's a God of generosity. So, Father, I pray that the generous heart of our God would consume us and fill us and bless us to be the recipient of every good and perfect gift and never be the giver of any of them a participant, a steward, God, of something that comes in our hands and then says, well, that's the blessing. It's half the blessing, but the greater part of the blessing is taking from what you've blessed us with and being what you would be on this earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Nobody's hungry in heaven. Nobody's without family in heaven. No one's, no one's in pain in heaven. No one's afraid in heaven. So God, on earth as it is in heaven, we place into your hands the loaves and the fish of our lives. That's our time, that's our resource, that's our faith, that's loaves and fish, simple things. One times one is one, but one times you is anything you want it to be. Thanks for Mark and Chris's testimony. Thanks for this family's testimony of trusting you for a vehicle. Thank you for the testimony of trusting you for car repairs this last week. The, like she said, that, that doesn't apply to me. I, that happens to other people, not to me. No, no to all those who call on the name of the Lord, the salvation of God will overtake us. So save us in every way, shape, or form. God, forgive us of our sins and our unbelief. Forgive us of what we've done. Forgive us of what we've not done. Set us right here, right now, free. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let us live in that freedom, that liberty now. We thank you for your truth. We stand on it. We stand on it to see it come to pass. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I feel relieved. I do. Amen. Um, Alter Burgers are coming forward to pray for you about absolutely anything you need prayer for. I'm going to head back to the back room, and I love hearing stories. So if you want to tell me your story, 
I will joyfully listen to it and get to know you a little better. Meantime, God bless you. The lights are going out. I guess that's time to go. When they turn the lights off on you, it's time to stop singing. So God bless you. Prayer this way. Go get your kids. We'll see you in the guest room real soon. God bless you. You're dismissed.